So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ezekiel 47. Taylor, you turned pretty red right then. We love y'all. I just, I want to challenge us today in a good way. And I, I just want us to read these few scriptures and then I want to go through it. And then I, I really want to give a little bit of time for the altar call today. I want us to get together and I want us to pray and really let God challenge us. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple. Water was flowing out from under the threshold of the temple eastward. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from under the right side of the temple and let me tell you something, it's only going to flow from the right side of the temple south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate that faced the east. And the water was coming out of the south side. When the man who had the line in his hand went eastward, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the water. The water reached the ankles. Some of you guys know where this is going. And again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the water, and the water was to the knees. And again, he measured a thousand, and he brought me through the water, and it reached the loins or the waist. And afterward, he measured a thousand in the river that I could not pass over, for the water had risen enough to swim in a river that could not be passed over. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river, when I returned, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees, and on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the valley and enters the sea. Now, by the way, the sea there, if you break it down in the Hebrew, is the Dead Sea. And it's very important that you understand that it's flowing into the Dead Sea. When it flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. Every living creature that swarm, uh, swarms where, uh, whether the river goes or swims will live and there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come there and others become fresh. Thus everything shall live, everything shall live where the river goes or comes. Amen. It shall come to pass that the fishermen shall stand upon it. And they shall fish, and listen, the fish shall be according to their kinds, as the Mediterranean Sea exceeds, and I think this is important, and we'll touch it at the end. But the miry places and the marshes shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. God, we love you. We felt your presence here today, God. I pray that any sin in our lives, God, today, right now, forgive us of our sins. Wash us in your blood, Jesus. Let us be pure before you as we go. Lord, I pray that we get in this river. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I want to talk to you today about more and more. I want to talk to you today about the way that in our lives, as human nature is this river show there's a few things that he's teaching Ezekiel here that I think we all need to really focus on. The first thing is that the river comes to the house of God and it goes right past the altar. I, there's no other to me thing that shows a good, just a really good point of salvation. When we come to the altar and we give our life to Jesus, out of our belly now flows what? Rivers of living water. 
We have now been given living water inside our heart. We're excited about God. We have that flow. Everywhere the river goes, it's dead, brings life. We were once dead and now we're made alive. Listen, don't you give up on people because the way they look or the way they seem. This river, everywhere it goes, the, there is a river, the Bible says, whose streams make glad the city of our God. How does it make them glad? Because everywhere this river flows, it's dead. It brings life. And that river is the Spirit of God. He's alive and well today. Amen. I'm telling you, you might not even understand it, but there's a river of God that flows through this sanctuary. And I'm telling you, sometimes you see people walk down here. And I know, brother, Dr. K, when he walked up there years ago and said God told him that there's a river that he's establishing of his presence here. People didn't understand it, but I understand it because I've got in that river. I've been down and discouraged and I've had things in my life and just taking that step of faith just to walk up here and say, God, I need your presence. I need to be overflown by the presence of God. Sometimes we, we believe so many weird things, but when it comes to church, we don't believe everything we don't understand. Well, there's a lot you don't understand about God. Right. You don't even know what you don't understand about God. Right. Right. He does things. Jesus, people are like, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't like the weird stuff. You can't have Jesus without the weird stuff. Right. He's supernatural. He goes against nature. Jesus spits in mud and slaps it on people's eyes. See, you would have lost him there. You celebrate him now. But if you don't believe that God does supernatural things today, you would have walked away from him then. He's got a river here that he wants you to flow in. He wants to start it here. And I love it. If you really get in this river, it will force you out into this world because they are thirsty for a drink of something real. This river absolutely destroys fear and depression and anxiety. Everywhere this river goes, there's peace and joy and love and every gift that comes with the Holy Spirit. And we in the church act like the world doesn't want us. The world is crazy thirsty for a drink. That, the Samaritan lady said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water. I hear you got living water that I'll never thirst again. Give me a drink. I am craving this water. She was a, she had multiple husbands. She had a terrible reputation in the, she had to go in the heat of day and pull water because she couldn't go in the cool of the morning with the ladies. She was so shunned and an outcast. I love the river. Wherever God's river goes, it goes to every outcast. It goes to every broken person. It goes to every drug addict. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is a liberty. And I'll tell you something, we can't ever get to the place that we forget. If it wasn't for God, we would be in the same boat. Me and Aaron were talking yesterday about a situation. And we both said, I'm glad I wasn't in that situation. Because most people that are in that situation would have failed. We're all human. We, We all have that need for the river of God. So then he says, I take you, I takes him out and he takes him to the ankles. Now, this is that shallow experience with God. And I hope that if you're in this phase, that you know there is more and more and more and more. Paul says we go from glory to glory. Now, listen. It also says at the very end, I want you to get this. The stagnant, miry places that have no outflow, they're not going to be healed. 
You have to make up your mind today. And I felt this. You have to make up your mind today and I have to make up my mind today. We will continue to seek God no matter what we've experienced so far, no matter what we've felt, no matter what we've seen, there is more of God. If you become where you're like, this is my walk, you will become a miry place and you'll have just this inflow but no outflow and you'll become that marsh of salt that kills everything. So funny. So he goes to the ankle. Guess what happens when you serve God in ankle water? You're in control and God's not. See, that ankle water, that's Bethany. Not spiritually, but when we go to the beach. She thinks that Jaws is at every beach in America and he is three feet deep. So when we go to the beach, she will get to the ankles and she'll say, I'm good. And she'll say, I'm good. And she'll come back on that shore. And you know that every now and then that big one that comes up, you should see her run with all the three-year-old kids because Jaws is right there. She, she's like, I'm, I got the pool. I like the pool. So she's got control of, of her whole life. She controls how much water she wants. She controls how much she doesn't want. Now we're going to talk about Nana in a little while. And she's on the end of the spectrum. She's on the call the Coast Guard because she's four miles out on a raft. We'll get to her in a second. That's a true story from our last beach trip. <laughs> so I'll let y'all know. It was awesome. She is fearless. But so, so when you're shallow water, you have no control. You, I mean, you have all control. So you decide, listen, stay with me. You decide when you go to church. You decide when you read. You decide when you pray. You decide Where's my brother Crawford? You decide when you witness. He was telling me about God leading him to witness this week. You decide if you do it or don't do it. You decide what you do with you. You've experienced the river. You love that the guilt of sin is off you that Jesus paid. But now he says, use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. So that means you can get free and free indeed and still go do your thing. Well, I'll get in the water when the service is just right and when it's my favorite song and when I like everything adds up perfectly, I think I'll get a little dip. We got to get past that. We got to get where we call him not just our Savior from hell, but our Lord and our King which means wherever the king commissions, whenever the king calls, I obey the king. I am no longer in charge of me. Good. Then the next level, he says, let's go out a little farther. Let's go deeper. And he says, next thing I know, I'm in about my, my knees. Now at the knee level, you've kind of started to surrender some stuff. You kind of... You ever been there? You can start feeling the pull of the undertow. I feel sometimes in our services the pull of the Holy Spirit like an undertow, drawing us deeper to his presence. I feel, you get get out there a little bit. Guess who's still control at the knees though? You are. You know, it's that thing where you're out here and then you see that big wave coming in and you run back. Right? You see those people. They're not real sure about going all in. They're comfortable. Listen, there are people today, you are sitting here on the pew and you've tasted enough to be hooked, but you're not selling out. So you're in that awkward spot. The knee deep water 
is uncomfortable. You read some. You started praying some. You might even try to witness some. Or you might try to beef up your attendance some. I know where I am. You're trying at the knees. So you haven't really surrendered. You know you want God, but you're really still going to stay a little deeper. But you're in control. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep myself in control. How many people are totally satisfied at the knees? You can have fun in church at the knees. Me and the guys went to the beach. I think we were the only guys out there that had our shirts on. Because we still believe in a holy standard, but whatever. We looked kind of weird, but I didn't care. We had a blast. I called it Pentecostal swim. Still do. And you know what we did in our knees? We threw this football. We'd skip this ball all across. We swam after it. We had so much fun. I got to thinking about that. And I was like, you know what? That's the level of your knees where it's all about you and not all about others. At your knees, you've done more than just get it just a little wet. You actually can say that you're committed. You can actually say that you're with God. But it's still when you're at your knees, it's still about you. It's still about fun. See, at my knees, we could skip that ball. We could throw our frisbee. We had a football. We were throwing it. We had control. We could still move. Man, it was all fun. Some people are at the knee level where all you want from church is this fun socializing experience where it's all about you. You don't want to serve, but you want to enjoy the presence of God. Everything is about you. Don't be mad. Sometimes it's easy to stick there. Because you know what? Serving God is fun. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Sometimes serving God is fun. It should be. But there's a place of deeper service where we're surrendered more to God. Listen to me. we got to get past our knees. you got to serve when you don't feel like it. you got to serve. Listen, if you only pray when you feel like it, you'll never pray much. If you only read your Bible when you feel like it, you won't read much. And if you've got an excuse why you don't have time to pray and read, you need to read even more Proverbs where he says, the fool says, there's a lion outside, so I'm going to stay in. You read that proverb and you're like, huh, I wonder what he says. He's saying, no, 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 you're making an excuse of something you don't even know is out there. So you're saying it's okay to stay here in the knee-deep water because after all, you know, there's warfare. Listen, there is spiritual warfare like I've never seen before, yes, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. You can't just say because there's a greater battle. Listen, the greater the battle, I promise, the greater the victory. You will have to push. The kingdom of God does suffer violence, but the violence does take it by force. We talked about that last Sunday night. There is a time that you have to say, I am going after Christ no matter what it costs me. There's a new experience. Isn't there, Chastity? Thank God she obeyed God last Sunday. She dove in. She went to the 10-foot pool. She got over her head. 
I'm thankful for it because it provoked other people to say, hey, there's a deeper experience. Did you come today? That's what I'm going to ask you and I'm asking myself. Did we come today to just do church as usual? He's got so much more for us. He's got so many more. Listen, when you're in that knee level and you're in control, you are trying to make sure that you control your walk with God. You're trying to do better. Listen, you don't have to try to do better. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you'll surrender it to him, the power of God is what you're missing. It's not more things, more. It's that sweet, refreshing, reviving spirit of the Holy Ghost. He renews us. And then they go to the waste. This is, to me, this is the most, this is the most deceiving place and dangerous place for a believer because now they've given up more control and they're surrendering more but now there's a tendency at the waist for lukewarmness there's a tendency of half the body's out half the body's in come on think about what I'm telling you there's a tendency of a lot of people that were hearing me preach today and you said oh I'm way past the ankles and I'm way past the knees I've had great encounters with God. I'm going after God. I know what God can do. He's my everything. Yes, I'm going for Him. And it's so easy to have just enough moves of God that not realize you still got half your body out. You get that experience. Well, this, I know what it's like. Some of you have been serving God longer than I am old, and you've experienced great moves of God, but that doesn't mean that you've experienced them all. I was reading about a revival that broke out in Texas in the 70s where the preacher was preaching like this and the glory of God came in the sanctuary and split the, this, just the, the pulpit in half. Amen. Everybody in there fell on their face. Nobody spoke for over an hour because of God's presence that was hovering on there. There was no casualness to it. It started changing the whole city. Everything started moving. We haven't experienced it all. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I read and I pray and I have this routine and that's so good. Listen, you should have it. And, and you're like, man, I'm, let me tell you the other tendency that happens. You kind of do what I do when you get out there. You look back and you kind of look at all the other people that aren't so deep as you. Come on to the sandbar. That's my favorite place to go. Come on here to the sandbar. It's awesome. And you look back at all the people that are just like Bethany chasing the water. So awesome. I hope y'all know I'm just joking with her. Some of y'all are like, he's in trouble. We're way cooler than that, y'all. <laughs> that's my best friend. And so I look back and that's what Bethany, this is Bethany's life right here. Oh. And you look back and you say, you know, they're not really reading as much as I do. I mean, I know none of you guys do that. Just say other churches, maybe the recording will get them. You know, they haven't prayed as much as I pray. That's right. You know, they, they don't do as much as I do. You know, looking back, because, you know, I'm, I'm way steep. It's pretty good. And they become bored. I'm telling you, a lot of Christians stop waist deep. They've had good encounters with God. They know God. They don't just know of Him. They actually know Him. They've seen God answer prayers, and they have become so comfortable that they have quit pressing forward. I, I want to stop and tell you a story right here. And, and just real quick, I want to I I stay with me at waist deep. But I want to tell you a story. That's not it. This is it. 
making sure. The president of Temple University. Do you know how he became the founder of Temple University? All right, guys, I'm right here. Hello, Jonathan, right here. He's the founder of Temple University. You know how he got his money? You know how it was founded? He went to Saudi Arabia on a trip because he was wealthy. And he had a guide leading him through Saudi Arabia. And the guide said, hey, I want to tell you, this was 1810, 1820. I want to tell you about a buddy of mine. There's a buddy of mine that is a farmer, was a farmer. He had this little lot in Saudi Arabia. It gave them plenty of food. Him and his family tilled it. Great. He had this ox, had this goat. Everything was great. He loved it. And all of a sudden, this guy comes by. Now, stay with me. This guy comes by and tells him that he's been to India and that in the, in the rivers of India, in the 1810s, they are finding diamonds that are the size of baseballs. And he said, all you need to do is sell what you've got and go to India and you can just start picking these diamonds up out of the riverbed and you can start saving them up. You'll be one of the wealthiest men ever. People don't know about it yet. It hasn't spread. So this guy asked his buddy that lives beside him, can you keep my family for probably two months? I'll be back. Trust me, I'll reward you big time and I'll, you, you don't even realize how rich I'm about to be. And he sells his farm and he goes, and he finds nothing. And he travels all over Europe, and he finds nothing. And in Spain, he writes a note and says, there are no diamonds anywhere. And he jumps in the river full of crocodiles and kills himself. Now listen, this is not one of these stories where I want to move you with emotions. This is a true story, and you'll hear how true it is. And some of you even know about it, but you just don't know how you know about it. So the guy that buys his farm, little quaint farm, he starts to really farm it hard. And he starts really enjoying his farm, and he starts to really enjoy what he's doing. And he keeps getting these big black rocks in his way. And he keeps piling these black rocks out of his field because they're stopping him from harvesting his crop. And one day he leans down and sees one of these big black rocks, and it's super shiny. And he's like, well, my daughter will love this. And he puts it on his mantle. Now, I know this is a long story, but it's a true story. And as it's on his mantle, the Jesuit priest that happened to be in Saudi Arabia, by the way, they're mostly Muslim, the Jesuit priest happened to pop by to say hello, very educated man. And he's telling him about Jesus, and he's talking to him about the Lord, and he's not picking up anything that he's throwing down. And he, the Jesuit priest looks at his mantle and says, Tell me about that black rock. And the guy says, oh, these are everywhere. He's like, I've got stacks of them to the side. And the Jesuit priest picked that rock up and said, sir, this is one of the largest diamonds I have ever seen in my life. You have to get the black away from it. Once you chisel it down, that's a diamond. This guy had the largest diamond mine today in the world. The Queen of England owns it now. She gets all of her diamonds in 2019 from this guy's farmland and this field. You see where I'm going with this? Sometimes when we get in that 
Water that's deep enough to be right here. And we think we've experienced God and we think we've seen it all. This is when the devil begins to tell us, oh, well, you've seen all God has. Listen, there's a lot of people sitting in here today. I know I've been praying for this service that the devil's talking to you. you. This is where he talks to the believer and says, you've seen it all. This is all God has. Has God really been faithful to you? No, listen to me. This is where you got to double down. Stay in your field. You got to keep plowing. There are things that you are craving and desire. It's Jesus Christ. Don't you forget at this halfway point in your life that Jesus Christ is going to come ready or not. Here he comes comes one of the diamonds that he's got if we go deeper is called heaven it's called eternity it's called forever we will be with the lord if you stay halfway the devil will convince you that it's not worth it that everything listen it's all worth it i don't even take time with people anymore they're like well i'm just not even sure if god's real listen i can't talk to you then because a fool says in their heart there is no god you know there's a god You're just saying it. Well, listen, if you miss and you're playing games, heaven is real, but so is hell. The devil don't remind you about hell. He doesn't remind you. He just tells you how you're suffering now. If you get in that over the deep water, he don't talk to you very much because you have authority over him and you know the power you have. But if you're still at a good place where you've grown up in church or you've experienced some services of God and you're there, listen, he does the same thing when you're halfway. He doesn't waste his time. He has the people of this world. He is focused on people that are really wanting to get deep with God. And he's saying, hey, you know, that marriage, that's better. That chick over there is better. That Tell me the affair rate in the church is so high. I'm telling you why. Because the enemy is speaking to people and saying, hey, don't plow the field you're in. There's tons of diamonds. I think it's so funny to me in that story. And I didn't tell you how the guy from Temple University found it. He wrote that story in a book and he started sharing that story to businessmen on, hey, stop griping about the business you own or stop griping about the job you're in and work where you are and plow and let God develop you. See what you're in. Thank God for your health. Thank God for your job. Thank God. Instead of going in and griping about it, well, this is just the farmland. This is just my family. And oh, there's got to be a better out there. Plow where you are. Make you, and I think it's so funny that that guy took the same plow and the same yoke of oxen and he plowed the same field and became a multi-drillionaire. It's not even a word, but he's that rich. <laughs> think about what I'm telling you. Marriage start, people's marriage start getting hard. Nobody wants to talk about it. It's fall, people's marriages fall apart all the time. It's because you start looking where there's something better or something deeper in the devil. No, 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 no. Some other guy will take that same plow and that same yoke of oxen and he'll start telling that same girl how beautiful she is. That, you know, I don't really, maybe I need to leave my marriage. You, the devil talks. And I think it's so funny. No, 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 you don't need a new marriage. You don't need a new woman. You don't need a new man. What you need to do is harvest what you got. You need to plow the field that you got. You're standing in diamonds. God's blessed you. Quit talking about how much it'd be to be in a better job and start plowing where you are. Start thanking God for every paycheck that hits your bank account. Oh, yeah, y'all thought we were talking about water and all of a sudden it got real, didn't it? That's how he works. Oh, you know, you've really seen God. You know, do you really need this church stuff? 
See, you think he tells that to these young Christians. He doesn't have to. They haven't really controlled their, their, their flesh yet. Their flesh will take care of them going back if they don't go forward. He waits and waits on the ones that get a little deeper with God, that start to really understand God, that start to... Listen, I'm telling you, when God showed me this, I would have never preached this sermon this way. I went back and read three or four sermons that he preached on the same subject. I just wanted to see what God was showing Papa years and years ago here. Great stuff. Should probably put it in print. But God showed me, no, 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 listen, I want you to go a different way today. The people that the devil waits on is the people that are right here at the hips. And they're going deeper. And that's when he starts to tell them. That's when he starts to talk to them. That's when temptation starts to come to them. See, when John the Baptist, after he had been dipping all those people, it wasn't in the beginning of his ministry the devil showed up. The devil showed up when he had a successful ministry and he's laying in prison and everything didn't go like he wanted it to. Because when you get hip deep, that undertow starts to pull you. The Spirit will take you places you don't really want to go. And he says... Did you do all this in vain? And John sends his disciples to go to Jesus and say, do we need to look for another? The devil waited till he got into ministry. The devil waited on him. Some of you have sold out and you're starting to go deeper into God. And now you're going to find the voice of the devil. You need to do what I'm telling you. Just keep plowing. Keep reading. There are gems in the word of God that are waiting on you. Hallelujah. Keep plowing every aspect of your life. You keep right there. You keep pushing forward. There are victories that you don't even know that are so close. Keep pushing. Keep plowing. Keep going as we read. Now the next level is that water where you're out of control and God's flowing in your life. And let me tell you, there's been seasons in my life that I've been there where I'm completely possessed by the Holy Ghost. It's one of the most wonderful things in the world, but there's seasons where I wasn't. I think if we all look around, we've been there, done that. We got seasons. He is calling us as a church now to get out of the, just any phase of the water and go all in. That means you got to spend some time seeking Him during the week. That means during the week you got to be more in touch with Him than you even are here because the encounters you have out there will impact in here. If you yield to Him out there, when the Holy Spirit moves, listen, this morning we were singing, Faithful you are, faithful you ever will be. That was a good time for all of us to probably follow Sid's lead and walk down here and just say, God, I just need to be reminded and just thank you for your faithfulness. I want to go run and grab Riley real quick. Be like, that's our song. All his promises are yes and amen. Even when they wake you up at 2 o'clock, they're still amen. <laughs> He's calling us deeper. He's calling us deeper. I read, I think it's funny that it runs into the Dead Sea. And I was reading this week the story. This ship... I think these leadership stories are so good because people, people do them for secular reasons and, you know, preachers hear everything and you're like, oh, that'll preach. It'll preach for real. So there's the ship. There's 400 sailors on it and they've run out of everything and they've lost direction and they're down by the Amazon. And back in those days, they had flags for letters so they could reach. And about so far out they could barely see it, they saw another ship. And they were literally had no water. They're in salt water. They can't drink it. And they're going to die. And the captain says, run up and, and wave to them. Tell them no water, SOS. Come on, help us. I don't even know if it was SOS because it was way before that. But help. 
And he sends it up. And the flagman of the other ship sends back and says, let down your bucket. And he's like, okay, he didn't understand what I just said. So go back up there. Tell him we have no water. We are dying. It's been days. Help us. And the captain of the other ship sends back, let down your bucket. Just let down your bucket. And the first mate says, he's not understanding. And he's like, it's gonna, we will die before. It was so far. In the, he's like, we'll die before we get to them, basically. And the captain says, well, let's just do what he says. Let's let down our bucket. So he lets down his bucket and they pull it up. And the first mate tries it. And it's fresh clean, wonderful water. You want to know why? Because the Amazon River is the most powerful river on the planet and it pushes water. It's so powerful. For 250 miles, it pushes fresh water where it hits the Atlantic into the water. And so there is a river that runs on top of the ocean for 250 miles that has nothing but fresh water. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking, there's so many people in Christianity that are just like, they're panicked. They're not sure if they're going to make it. Listen, I'm telling you, I hear all the time people talking about depression and anxiety and they live in constant fear. And these are God-fearing believers. God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and your mind should be sound. But so when you start to get in that water that's deeper, Sometimes you want to bail and go back. Or sometimes you want to reach over for a life. Listen to me. Just stay where you are and take a drink. It's fresh. It's clean. It's a renewed power. It's a renewed encounter. Sometimes what you have to do is humble yourself to get the encounter. The Bible's full of it. When you want to go deeper, when everybody else has already quit on the service and they're thinking about where they're going to go eat chicken at, you still come down. You still don't care because you're going to get to a place where I've got to take Take a drink today or I'll die. My family members will die if I don't get a drink. This will not work if I don't drive. It's not going to be by, listen, the devil's so sneaky. This is when people say, well, I need a new church. That one's just not working for me. People don't say that. Yeah, you need to look at what, it's like a 7-Eleven in all the churches. It don't matter the denomination. It's church turnover. People just looking for something, looking for something, looking for something. Instead of going deeper and drinking where they are. Instead of plowing the minefield where they are. You know why some people feel miserable sitting on a pew? Because God's called them to go deep and all they want to do is be casual. You'll never, it ain't, it ain't the church. It's you. It's never been the church. It's you. Because you knew God was calling you deeper and you decided to stay. You'll never be happy staying. That call, you were made in your mother's womb for that calling. There's people here that have the calling to teach. There's people here that have callings to serve. There's ideas that this church has never even thought about to reach this community. And if we're not going deeper in God and you're staying where you control it, it'll never happen. And you'll be like, well, you know, maybe I just need a new church. Right. Or you can just drop your bucket where you are. Take a drink. He moves every Sunday. 
right. I've been here almost 20 years and I've never one time walked in the side door of that church and not felt the presence of God. I've been to a lot of churches in my life. It's been a summer traveling to lots of them. I can't say that about a lot of them. That's right. This is a special house. Amen. You say, how do you know that? Because the vision that came through our senior pastor. Yeah. I'm, I am raising up evangel as an end time church. God's hands on this house. Take a drink. Take a drink. Drop your bucket here. Keep plowing. If your marriage is going through something and nobody even knows, quit looking to the left or the right. Quit hearing about diamonds in India and put your hands back on the plow and make it happen. I've got a dear friend who was about to lose her husband years and years ago, and she told me I made up my mind that my marriage was going to work, and I was in it to win it. She said, I went out of my way. I wrote him notes on the window so when he took a shower and the fog came up, it had sweet notes. She said, I took time sometimes and went and filled up a bucket of water, cold water when he was in the shower. I'd dump it on him, and we would play, and we would get the, sp the spice back in our life. You know what she did? She began to plow. She began to work on it. I'm telling you. I, I, I listen, I, I never, ever, ever want to see anybody in this church marriage not work. Plow where you are. Stay where you are. Keep keep plowing. If you're at a job you don't like, start working on, let the Holy Spirit work on the employee you are. Not the job. If you're a bad member of Evangel, start letting God work on you. Evangel doesn't need to change the spirits here. You change. You get in with the flow. Say, man, you're not, you're passing the buck. No, we got things that I'm letting God work on this church. But man, we have a great church. Well, I don't agree with everything. Well, go find you one that you do. It'll be named after you, by the way, because you'll start it like all these other guys, and there'll be you and your little family in there. There'll be 13 of y'all, and it'll probably be called something that's really catchy. I can give you about three or four names that everybody uses. No. Enjoy where you are. Drink where you are. And if you stop going deep with God, all you have to do is ask him. David, the man after his heart, and I'm closing. I love saying that because I got you now for two minutes. <laughs> David, he said, I would rather be in your house than anywhere else. All I desire, God, is to always be in your house. All I desire is that I'm always close to you. Because, see, he didn't have the Holy Spirit the way we have him. We have him everywhere. David had to go to the temple to experience the presence of God. He was like, I'm committed. And I just want to ask you this one thing. Don't think about anybody else. When's the last time you didn't tell God your needs, your wants, your anything, but you just said, I want to know you? I can't answer that. When's the last time you just went to the creator of all things who is Abba and close to us and said, God, I, I, I'm right here and I'm stuck right here and I'm in my knee deep or I'm in my waist deep water, but I want to be over my head. I want to see you use me on a daily basis. When's the last time we as a church just said, I want to know you.
David prayed, show me your way, God, and I'll walk with you. Show me. I want to know where you're going. I want to know what you're doing. What a lie the devil's told so many church members that your only calling is to show up to church and be nice to people. That is such a boring life. You are called to be resurrection power everywhere you go. Greater is he that's in you. We said that, but yes, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of each and every one of us. We have power over sickness. We have power over death. We have power over marital problems. You can. There is depression out there that you are the cure for. If you'll tell God to bring you close and you'll bring him in, it's time we stop telling people to go see a Christian psychologist and lay our hands on them and say in the name name of Jesus you are given a sound mind according to scripture That's right. yes. help me brother I'm under attack in my mind yeah that's the way the devil's fighting the last day church he's fighting them in between their ears God didn't give us you got to go deep you can't just sit you got to go deep you got to be after God you know what I found out most of the time, really, when God touches me and talks to me the greatest, it's never been in this church. I've had a few encounters that were awesome. It's been by myself when it was me and him. He's relational. When he wants to, the Bible says the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him. To them, he will show his covenant. You want to know why some people never really see the deep things of God and have them talk? Because he will never show you his secrets when you're only knee deep. When you're knee deep, all God's doing is encouraging you to go deeper. He's only going to share things with you that he can trust. He wants us to have that relationship. I hope today that when we leave here, we just say, God, I want to go deeper. You know, that waist deep water is scary. I've seen a lot of people get on the praise team. I've seen a lot of people become Sunday school teachers. I've seen a lot of people start to really commit to God, and they get Brother Roy about right here. And the devil says, you're doing pretty good. That's good. You do a lot. Just chill right here. That's good. Stay right here. I mean, my goodness. You get up for the praise team practice before anybody gets to church. Just, just rest right here. You're doing great. You know what they do? They stop waist deep. If God showed me anything in this sermon when I was studying, is that we all have to fight waist deep water. That's where the devil's voice gets so, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I started thinking about peoples when they have affairs and when all these bad things start happening. It's a lot of times sincere believers that are really going after God that all of a sudden they get the attention of the devil. And if they don't keep pursuing and they stay, he gets them. He'll rock us. Oh, you, you come, you teach Sunday school. Oh, here's a good one. You come to Sunday night church. Wow. I mean, do you want a badge? No, like, he wants you to go deep where he talks to you through the week. 
I heard a lady, this Billy Graham's granddaughter this week, about had to pull my car over because I was bawling like a baby. She said, I lost Billy, my granddad. She said, that was, you know, a while back. And she said, the next week, my husband dropped dead of a heart attack. And she said, for the first time in my life, I started to do something I've never done before. I started to open my heart to loneliness and let the devil come in. And she said, I started having a pity party. And I thought to myself, man, I think that might be, I think you might, should have a pity party right there. And she said, you know what, why the devil and loneliness couldn't come in? She said, I even tried to open the door for him and listen to him, but he couldn't come in because the Holy Spirit of Almighty God dwells inside of me and I've been after him my whole life and he's my best friend. He's not it. He's not a mystic. He doesn't float around. He's the third member of the Trinity and Jesus himself said it's expedient that I go away for when I go away, the same comforter as me is going to come and he's going to come into everybody and Jesus, I'm going to dwell with them. I'm going to lead them to all truth. And she said, every time loneliness or discouragement tried to sink over me, the Spirit of Almighty God would not allow it to come in my heart. I would not listen to that because I had made up my mind. I was going after God since I was a girl, and I would always seek God with my whole heart. And I thought, that's it. She didn't even know the river sermon. You know what she was telling you? He couldn't mess with you because the devil can't swim in the deep end. The devil couldn't mess with her back there. She was completely surrendered. Some of you today, I feel it in the Holy Spirit in my heart. I'm telling you today that some of you are discouraged and the devil's trying to just heap discouragement and depression and anxiety on you to get him off of you. Go deeper. Get him off of you. Keep seeking. God, let God's Spirit one more time flood your soul and your heart and shut all that garbage out of your heart. Man. I heard her preaching, I thought, whoo, Billy, Billy Graham was a Baptist. This, this lady was no Baptist. She told him when she got up there, she was like, I saw a different side of the Holy Ghost than I was taught growing up. And she was preaching with fire. But I realized, that's it. If the devil's bothering you, that probably means you're right about waist deep and you're, he's scared of you. What you could be if you sold out. This week, I challenge you. Start seeking his face. David said, when you said, seek my face, my heart said, your face, O oh Lord, I will seek. You don't have to have five hours to seek his face. You can be driving down the road and just say, God, I want to know you more. Talk to me. Come close to me. She also said something that I really liked. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He's not coming into any situation that he's not invited. That's right. You want him in your life? Invite him with your mouth. You want him in your marriage? Invite him. You want him in your Sunday school class? Invite him. If you want him in these services, invite him. You want him in Mount Olive convicting people of sin? Invite him. Let that river flow. Amen. Everybody stand with me. I hope that you have a great week this week and I hope that it's so good that you seek God 
but that you really appreciate all the diamonds that you're plowing right now. There's men like Ken Northcutt that are fighting for their life, that he'd give anything in the world to walk in the house of God. You've got a diamond of health if you're here. Thank him for it. If you don't like the things that are going at your work, plow the field. Keep plowing. See the diamonds there. If you don't like the way your life's going, keep plowing and look up. There's a, I'm telling you, heaven is close. That thing that seems so big to you, when that trumpet sounds, I'm telling you, whoo, it won't matter. He said, write to the church and tell them, forever we'll be with the Lord. This church was under such persecution in Thessalonica. They were being attacked and they were discouraged and they were defeated. And Paul wrote and said, hey, how you're going to beat it is tell the church to keep remembering heaven is real. We're gonna, it's not about pearly grates. It's not about golden streets. I promise you I won't even notice because the Lamb is the light of the world and forever will be with the Lord. And for seven years starting off, He's gonna gird Himself. He's gonna serve us. Why are you downcast, my soul? David had to talk to himself. I feel this, y'all. There's a spirit attacking our church of discouragement. Why are you downcast, my soul? Hope thou in the Lord. Wednesday night I was preaching and the Holy Spirit came down in here and had two different people text me and say, hey, you had no idea what you were saying. It wasn't me saying it, but they were discouraged and they were downtrodden and the Holy Spirit encouraged them in their season. I feel that same power today that some of you are discouraged. You've played in the kiddie pool for so long and the devil's beating you up and you feel just so condemned. No, look up. 